Hoops Adjacent is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With Game Time, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? I wish I could clean my house, clean this attic that I'm in right now in two taps. Two taps, house is clean, watch TV, watch sports all day. But until then, I've got Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the bolts in his braggadocia. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on. We're friends, aren't we? And then yeah. he cut their lungs out and killed everybody on TV. <laughs> was not your friend so the chicago and detroit stuff that was real that was real i mean god forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in iowa, iowa. welcome to hoop five four we have ignition and welcome to another edition of hoops adjacent i'm david aldridge from the bunker in dc Join now. I have no idea where Dave Dufour is, but Dave is our guest host this week. And Dave, where are you right now? Where in America are you? I, so I am uh, in Crawley, Louisiana, which uh, is just right off I 10, somewhere between Lafayette and Lake Charles in Louisiana. Okay. I'm on my way home from Thanksgiving. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, yeah. you know, don't get pulled over. Yeah, I mean, you should pull over so you don't get pulled over while you're talking on the phone with us. So I appreciate you jumping in, man. And uh, as always, uh, I expect some spirited uh, discussion between the two of us <laughs> as, oh, we've yeah, done, yeah. as we've done over the years on, on various topics. But um wanted to start this week with, man, I just it's just still hard for me to believe even knowing the reality of where the Warriors are, it's still hard for me to look at these standings and see Golden State 4-19, and 19, to see them get boat raced by the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, it's just like, I just, it's hard to fathom this. I mean, I understand why it's happened. It's logical. It's what should happen. But I just, it's just still stunning to me. You know, I saw them Monday night against the Hawks the hapless Hawks who were 30th in Zach Harper's power rankings. Uh, and they got the doors blown off of them. You know, when, when Steve Kerr called this a gap year, he really wasn't joking. It's unbelievable. It's just, it's unbelievable to, to see. And you know, the lineups that he has to put out there, you know, and crunch time when there's a game, when the game is to be won, you know, and there's no, no disrespect to guy. I mean, Amari Spellman's actually having a pretty good year for them, you know, but it's just like, I, I'm just – it's just amazing to me. This just is – I I was trying to think 
and everybody goes back and I go back too to the to the Spurs year when when Robinson got hurt and they were terrible and they wound up in the lottery and they, but they still had guys on that team that had played meaningful roles for that team the year before you know what I mean so I mean they right. just weren't they just didn't have their superstar which which is what that happens a lot in the NBA over the course of a year you know you I've seen lots of teams lose their star player and what happens they usually wind up in the lottery but I can't recall anything like any season like this from a team that was as good as Golden State has been the last five years. I was racking my brain this morning trying to think of something similar, and I really could not come up with anything. I, I've never seen anything like it, for sure. Um, it is, you know, they're playing. This is a team that was in the finals last year, and they are right. playing with guys who who weren't even on the team. They don't have a single active guy. Uh, I guess until Looney came back the other night and, and uh, I mean, has that ever happened before? I mean, they were playing like, I feel like they played like 10 or 15 games with no one from yeah. last year's team at all. It's just, I can't think of, I mean, it, no, this is what, that's the stunning thing to me is that it's like, it's a complete makeover. It's all 12 guys are gone, you know, for long stretches from last year's team and from the team, you know, the the core of their team other than Draymond being in and out of the lineup, but that's been about it. And it's just, it's stunning to me. And and I just wonder how they process this as an organization. Is it literally like they don't even care what happens this year? Like they're just writing it off. It doesn't matter. There's no, it's not about, they're not even about let's develop these young guys and try to see if they can get better. None of these guys are going to be playing next year when they get everybody back, you know? And when they have their I'm not sure about that. You're not sure. I think I think they like Kai Bowman a lot. I think if if Spellman can turn into something for them, that's a huge bonus. Um, you know, the big thing is like think about the mental health break that the coaching staff is getting. They're gonna be able, you know, Ethan was telling us the other day that that they seem happier, more refreshed. Coaches love to coach, (laughs) they love to teach, you know, so you get that whole thing going on. Um, you know, and, and it is a gap year. Steph Curry's going to kind of get a year off. Draymond's going to get a year off. He's going to be able to rest and recover and be ready to come back next year. There's right. going to be no push to bring back clay. You know, I, I think that there are benefits and not to mention getting a high draft pick. Oh, no question. No, the guy, no, the draft pick's going to play next year. Of course, you know, whoever it is, they'll play, but I can't imagine that they are going to, I just find it, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe Bowman gets in the rotation. But if they get everybody back, as we assume they will, and, you know, Clay and Steph are back, and, and Draymond, as you mentioned, gets the year off, and they have a lottery pick, I, I will be surprised. I'll be very surprised if they just roll into next season and don't add to their roster in a significant way that would limit the minutes of Kai Bowman or Amari Spellman or anybody else that's playing this year next year. You know, I just can't see – Kai Bowman being the seventh guy on their team next year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think I, he's kind of down. He, he could be the ninth or 10th guy. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, when they don't have the, the salary cap limitations that they have this year, you know, that hard cap is a killer. No question. And so, I, you know, and I expect them to be heavy in the Giannis hunt this summer. You know, if there's any yeah. rumor that Giannis is available, you know, you know, they're going to be trying to put together a package to get him. So, you know, um, I think they're going to be they're going to be players. Bob Myers really good at his job, so absolutely. Uh, there's no way they're running out lineups with you know these guys. Like Damian Lee is probably not going to be starting for this <laughs> team next year. 
It's just amazing. It's just I can't even fathom. It's what, sad. What, it's almost well, sad. I don't I, find I, it, listen. I don't find it sad at all. But tell me why you think it's sad. Well, so in Atlanta, in Atlanta, there were more Warriors fans than there were Hawks fans yeah. when you know, like in the warmups and whatnot. And of course, a lot of Steph Curry jerseys. And so for the league, I just think it's tough to have you know this dynasty just disappear over a summer. Yeah. Well, it's tough for the league, no doubt. But I, I am, I do not care about things like that. <laughs> I'm really, no, I don't. I love no, the good. idea in sports. I always use the analogy of Mike Tyson. And, you know, for about three years, Mike Tyson was the most fearsome human being who walked the face of the earth. Like there wasn't a single person who wasn't scared to death of Mike Tyson, you know, because of what he could do in the ring. And that was, and he had earned that. He had earned that by becoming a great and lethal heavyweight champion who knocked people the fuck out. <laughs> okay. And that was the way it was until Buster Douglas knocked him the fuck out. <laughs> and then it was over. And that's sports, man. And I love that. There's no ambiguity about sports. You're the top guy that's right. until you're not. That's <laughs> and I right. love that. And, and, and so comes, I have no I have zero for sympathy for Golden State right now. I have no sympathy for Golden State whatsoever. When they were on top, they did what champions were supposed to do. They were dancing and high-fiving each other, and everybody was going wild and skipping up and down the court. And that's great because they, they were that good, and they could do that to people. And now they're getting their asses kicked, and that's great for me. And I love that because that's sports, and it should be like that. And people should feel like this is the time to get to get back at Golden State. So I don't, I have no problem with the Charlotte Hornets kicking them, you know, in the rear end or the other night. That's what happens when you're not the top dog anymore, and you get what you what you gave. You know what I mean? Crushed, and it comes for everybody. Uh, my the lesson I learned from the Buster Douglas fight was never accept a fight in Japan. Right. right. Just don't do it. <laughs> it was that that happened, Dave, on that was during All-Star Weekend in 1991. I'll ne never forget it. Never. I remember it. it. Yeah, I remember we were in the fight. Uh, we were in the press room in Charlotte, ironically, and nobody was paying attention. Nobody was watching the fight. It was All-Star Saturday and there was all the dunk contest and everything was going on. And nobody was paying any attention to the fight. And then somebody on was somebody saw it on the I guess the AP wire and said Tyson got knocked out and everybody was like, get the fuck out of here. Are you nuts? That's not going to, that didn't happen. And it did. <laughs> everybody was stunned. Like nobody believed it. Like it was like a joke. This couldn't possibly have actually happened to Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? So it was just, it was one of those amazing. Yeah, he events. must have slipped, you know, yeah, right, anything exactly. but a knockout. It, well, there's another example that Jade brought up which I think makes sense is the, uh, the heat going out when the Spurs came back and was that 15 or 14, I guess it was 14. 14 um, yeah. And the Spurs after losing in seven games the year before they came back and they beat the heat, crushed the heat in the next year in the finals. Um, and the heat obviously broke up, but even that's a little different because that was all free agency, right? I mean, LeBron left and that was the end yeah. of that. Right. So, and right. then, and then Bosch, they gave Bosch all the money and he never played for them again, you know? So, um, at that point they really, there wasn't, there was no heat left, you know, of any magnitude. So, um, I guess this is, it's unique just because these guys are all hurt at the same time, which is not what you right. expect. Um, yeah. that, that's a, that's a, a distinction, I guess. Um, they, yeah, they no. lost, they lost three hall of famers in six games to right. injury. Right. <laughs> right. Unheard right. of. 
Right. That's true. That's true. If you had Durant, right? In the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. Uh, and that is unprecedented. Um, so um, anyway, uh, I want to also talk before we bring John Horst on the GM of the Bucks in a few minutes um, about the Lakers. And I there's two things I want to talk about with the Lakers. One is I think they've won 10 straight on the road now. Um, and I am just really impressed with how they are playing on the road for a team. It's Look, I get it. They've got a lot of talent. I get that. But from a continuity standpoint, I'm still very impressed with how they have been able to come together this quickly and beat, you know, I wouldn't say great teams. Sam's New is not a great team. I understand that they've got major problems um, and they've beaten them twice on the road. New Orleans obviously is not the same team that they were, but you know, you beat Denver and Utah back to back on the road. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good, you know, two day road trip. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, you're dealing with the elevation, you're dealing with a Denver team that's a legitimate finals contender. Right. Uh, the Nuggets, they're they're not looking as good as we expected. Um, the Jazz, you know, right? Mike Conley. I mean, the Jazz, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Nuggets are looking pretty good. The, the Jazz are not. You know, Mike Conley uh, looking rough. But at the same time, you know, the hallmark of a great team is to be able to win on the road. And yeah. I think you got to give got to give LeBron a lot of credit, of course, as always. I mean, clearly he looks like. You know, he's going to be in the MVP conversation whenever we decide to start talking about that. But yeah, I think Frank Vogel has done a great job of getting these guys really playing is. defense. And that's how you went on the road. He has. I got to I have to give it to him. I mean, considering I think we all were a little suspect. Right. I mean, I know I was I know it's tough to coach LeBron and Frank's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I never thought of Frank as having the kind of personality that I think would mesh well with LeBron. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, LeBron is going to test you. He's going to poke you, you know, and, and Frank, I never thought was that kind of guy. Um, but so far, at least, I mean, he has been, you know, very capable of, of managing minutes and rotations and, and doing very well. But um, speaking about LeBron, I mean, he, he once again, somehow, Managed to become the center of the attention the other night when he wasn't even playing. So it's, it's unbelievable. So what do you think? What do you think about LeBron and the jazz announcers? The first thing you want to do when you're done playing basketball is take your shoes off. I just don't get what the problem is. And it's not like this is uncommon. Guys lay down with towels over their head. You know, Steph Curry, we've seen him do that. We've seen Steph Curry eating popcorn. You know, in a, after a game or during a game that he was playing in, you know, when he was done. Um, this reminds me of the bottle flipping. What do we call this bottle flip gate <laughs> against the Knicks? <laughs> but but with the jazz in particular, like, you know, my buddies and I, we have this phrase that we call small market energy. Mm. And it's when you complain about things that really just like it's it's this disrespect, this creation oh, sure. of disrespect. And, yeah. and this is another example of that. And it just feels like. You know, the Utah Jazz and 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 their media tend to do this, you know, maybe a little bit more than other places, you know, and, and one of the reasons I'm tired of hearing the term screen assist is because they're looking for ways to compliment their players when they've got really good players that are good at very conventional things. And it's just, you know, it's the same old, same old. I, I'm I'm I share your 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 thoughts on, you know, sometimes small market teams do have a bit of an inferiority complex. Uh, but that happens in large markets too. There's nothing more insufferable than Rockets fans telling you every five seconds that you're 
dissing James Harden if you say the the least discomplimentary thing about James Harden. Well, the, no, if Rockets. you don't love free throws, you're disrespecting yeah. James Harden. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, if you say one nice thing about the other night, they played the, they played the Spurs. And I thought, I think I said something like, you know, I thought DeRozan was late getting to the spot and I thought it was a block, but you know, they shouldn't have blown the lead in the first place and, or whatever. And of course it was like, you hate, you just hate Houston. You never have anything good to say about right. it. <laughs> and then the Spurs guys were like, you never have anything good to say about San Antonio. It's like, That's come right. on, people. Get a life, yeah. really. Seems, as William Shatner said on Saturday Night Live. Come on. Yeah, you've been, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. And I'm already exhausted from it. I mean, it is just, yeah. it's, it's laughable. But I mean, with the fans, it's okay. I don't mind it from yeah. the fans. But from the media, like... Come on, man. Like we we should be better than that. And and to give a guy a hard time yeah. or to call it disrespectful. Yeah, it's I not was, like he went out there and tried to play with no right. shoes on. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah, I share your view on that. He took like half a step onto the floor, you know, yeah. and was not involved in the play in any way. And he was cheering his teammates on. I mean, right. So He's like last year, you're finding last year, joy. Right. Last year they were crushing him because he was so disassociated from the team as they were sloughing toward the lottery and were so, you know, horrible. He didn't want anything to do with them. And now that, you know, he's engaged again with the team, they kill him for that. So it's just, it's unbelievable, you know? So, yeah. And, yeah. and last year made total sense. He didn't want to be attached when he was going <laughs> to ship those guys out during the summer. Makes complete sense to me. Yeah. But you know, they, they had a point too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you. Yes, I, don't know how you can, I don't know how you can put your arms around a guy that tried to get you know half the team hey, traded. You know, uh, the only guys left from before LeBron got there are Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma. That what is, does that tell you? That's Isn't that crazy? I mean, no wonder Alex Caruso is getting All Star buzz. Exactly, but he's not actually know, getting All Star buzz. They are, but the, you know, again. They're 19 and three. That's not an accident when LeBron's around. I mean, that these things, you know, it tends to follow him around. And it doesn't, it, he can't do it all by himself again. This isn't 2007, but, but, you know, he's, he draws other people into his universe that are difference makers like Anthony Davis. So, um, anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back with John Horst, the GM of the Milwaukee Bucks, who are red hot. You ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. StockX ensures authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. StockX has removed all the risk from buying and selling online. Now you can get the hottest, hardest find, hardest to find kicks without having to deal with a random buyer or seller again. You know, I think I would like, you know what I think I'd like? I'm, I want those coming to America sneaks of Giannis and Dentacupo, the new ones. I want those. Well, they're not new anymore, but I bet StockX has them. So I'm going to, I'm going to check this out when the show's over. You went in on all the hype. Check out StockX.com slash B-Ball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash B-Ball. Check it out today. Welcome to Hoops at 
of the Milwaukee Bucks, John Horse. John, thank you for coming in and taking some time. Yeah, David, my pleasure. Glad to be on. Absolutely. Look, I, I mean, I don't know where to begin. It's it, Everything is so amazingly good for your team right now. So I, where do you begin? What is the one thing that you are, that you're most pleased about with this start so far? Yeah, David, I, I think what I'm most pleased about right now um, is what I feel like anyways is that we're getting better every day. Um, we played well, obviously, for a stretch here. The, to start the season, we won 17 out of our last 18 games and 13 straight. So we've won games, um, but I actually think that our play is improving uh, every single game. I think our guys you know, have bought into the, the mission of getting better every day, trying to improve every day at every level, at the playing level, at the coaching level, at the front office level. Um, we're trying to get better every single day. And I think to this point in the season, we've done that. I'm most proud of that. You guys lost a couple of guys who were really important to you last year during your regular season run. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Miritich, when you traded for him. Are you surprised that your offense is as good as it is as early as it is? Uh, I, you know what, Dave? Like, I, I think, <laughs> no, I don't think I am because Giannis is just really – he was the MVP last year for obvious reasons, um, but he's even better this year than he was last year. And I think that with him as the main cog, with him as facilitating everything, and then you add on to it, even though we lost a couple key players, we have a big part of our group back. We were focused on continuity, keeping George Hill, getting Brooke back, uh, adding pieces like like Robin Lopez and, and uh, Kyle Korver and Wesley Matthews was key. Obviously, bringing Chris back is extremely important. And so I think the continuity of our group, a second year in Bud's system, a second year playing with Giannis, and then some additions that to date have fit really well, I think that we kind of expected to be better offensively than we were last year. And that was a goal, quite frankly. We were the best defense in the NBA last year. I think we ended up finishing fourth or fifth or sixth in offense, something somewhere in that range. I think maybe it was fourth. And we felt like a real game that we could have on our team is this, this uh, sustain our defense and then improve offensively. And I think we have so far. Dave, it was, I, I was very concerned to be, uh, I was very concerned, John, to be honest with you when, you know, Malcolm left. Cause I just thought he did so many good things for you, but obviously that deal was done in, in large part to help you be able to secure Chris and Brooke long-term. What was it about those two guys specifically, both as compliments to Giannis and, individually that made you feel like we've got to make sure we bring these guys back even if it costs us a, a very good young player you know like like uh, you, you were you had to give up with Malcolm yeah and David uh, just to correct you just a little bit you know I was proud that in our offseason 
uh, leading into free agency or on the draft and just different things that we had done prior to, we were positioned as a franchise to to keep Malcolm and those guys. And, and really, had we decided that it was the best basketball fit, best culture fit, best overall decision, mm-hmm. uh, we were positioned to do that. And we were able to do that. Um, and ultimately, with, with Malcolm, who is a very good player and, and is, a, is a loss, there's no doubt, playing extremely well for, for uh, Indiana, we we took the bet, we took the position that we could do better um, for our team with the opportunity of minutes and opportunity of resources um, going forward and that we could turn Malcolm into something that we liked more uh, value to our team than what we thought his pers- uh, prospective market would be. And so I'm happy in that situation that, that Malcolm has worked out really well for Indiana, and I know he's happy and they're happy. And I think so far we are too. So it's, it actually feels like a win-win for me, uh, which is a good thing. Focusing on Chris and Brooke in particular, easily our, our biggest two off-season focuses uh, to get those guys back into beat box. And they just fit. They fit at every level. They fit a style of play. Um, they fit with Giannis. They're great compliments to Giannis, giving floor space, creating some offense. Defensively, Chris is an underrated defender on the wing, gives us great size and physicality and, and plays with a great IQ and, and really helps us guard some of the bigger 6'6 to 6'8 wings that we encounter every single night. And then Brooke. You know, Brooke is one of the only three players, I think, in the NBA um, that blocks shots and shoots and makes threes in the way that he does. And last year, you know, set records, I think, was the first player in the NBA to, to make more than two threes a game and block more than two shots a game. And he's on track to do those types of things uh, again this year. And so he's just so important for us uh, as the back of our defense and offensively giving space to Giannis. So those guys, um, great culture fits, great basketball fits, and just really, really thankful that we have those guys here long-term in Milwaukee. You mentioned Giannis being the MVP last year. I mean, bell to bell. I mean, there was no doubt that he was the MVP last year, and he's just carried it over to this year. He's looking like he's going to do another bell to bell. Uh, You've been there the whole time. Now, I want you to come across like the smartest guy in the room and tell me you expect (laughs) him to be this good. (laughs) <laughs> not possible. Never, I'm never the smartest guy in the room and particularly not on this call. Uh, he, he is the one thing I've, I will say I've always known about Giannis and you get it as soon as you first meet him and you start being around his family and talking to him and seeing him and he's had it from day one and, and he'll have it for the rest of his life. He's an incredible person, an incredible competitor, an incredible worker. And, um, he just, he knows who he is and he lives on that. And that's the foundation of who he is on and off the court every single day. And he's, it hasn't changed at any stage in his career from a somewhat unknown, you know, middle of the first round 15th pick to a uh, kind of developing starter to a developing star to a hundred million dollar extension to the MVP, just kind of every step that he's gone through, he's remained true to who he is and Though, when you have that and you have the incredible gifts that he has athletically and as a basketball player, I think that's why you have a, a reigning MVP and a, a soon-to-be multiple-time MVP of our league for years to come. He, he It is incredible to me that he actually is better this year. He really is. <laughs> it's just, uh, And I wonder how you and Bud and the organization manage the expectations on him. There's so much attention. There's so much focus on him. And, you know, that's, you know, for a self-motivated person, obviously that's not, that's not a bad thing because they want to be as great as they can be, but it is a lot of, of pressure and it's a lot of expectations. How did you all 
approached that going into the season with him in terms of managing what people, what everybody in the organization needs from him and what Bud needs from him and what the community needs from him, but also understanding that, you know, it's a big burden on a young man. Yeah, it's, um, I think that there's two things that stand out to me in the, into that question, David. One is where I, I started a few minutes ago and just saying a, a true focus on getting better every single day at every level, um, organizationally. And of course, I think a lot of people say that a lot of organizations say that, and quite frankly, they probably all mean it. It's just a really hard thing to do. And, um, so far I think we've done that. And Giannis leads that charge, um, every single day he, he's focused on getting better every day. When he says it, you, you know, if you listen to his post game, you know, interviews, very often he, he doesn't talk very much about the game that happened. He talks about the next game that's coming and doesn't talk about games that are three or four steps down the road or being the MVP or us playing in the finals or any of those types of things. He talks about the next opponent. And so I think very much there's a, a sentiment of feeling that that exists, that's real, that drives that. And then the second thing, which we just talked about is, is the person, you know, and, and I, I think of course, as fans, and it's great, and, and people that maybe aren't around it every day, you think, oh my gosh, he's actually gotten better. You know, what's easy easy to forget, guys, he uh, he turns 25 uh, tomorrow, December 6th, <laughs> today, tomorrow, and and he was 24 last year. And so you have a, a 23-year-old turning 24, and then now a 24-year-old turn, turning 25. Guess what? He's going to get better next year, too. He's going to get better the year after that, and he's going to get better the year after that. Um, and so, uh, as great as he is now, and it's pretty great, there's a lot left to come. And I think it's a pretty exciting thing for the, for the world of basketball. Is it a little frustrating because you, you can't say, okay, we've got some room to grow here. We can get better at this. You guys have been so good on both ends of the ball. Uh, where are you looking for some internal improvement? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's so much. So from the, from the metric standpoint in offensively defensively, like you said, you know, top two offensive rating and top two defensive rating, kind of rare air. Not a lot of teams do that. Not a lot of teams sustain that. So one of the things, where do you look to get better? You just want to be in a position where you, the things you're doing really well now, you continue to do throughout the course of the year and more importantly in the playoffs. And so um, we're not as focused on what our record is right now, the winning streak, although it's a great storyline and it's an important thing. It's, it's an important thing for the franchise. Um, hasn't been done in over 30 years. I, we're not as focused on wins and losses as we are on building a system offensively and defensively that can sustain that we can sustain and do night in and night out in the playoffs and compete at the highest level in the playoffs. And so when that's your focus, I think it's easy to find things that you can do every single day to get better because we're not there yet. And uh, that's really, I think, on the court, that's the focus off the court with the roster and everything else that we're doing. We just want to continue to do our jobs and work and be ready and be prepared um, to adjust if needed. But right now everything's going well and, and we're happy with that. John, you've got some some young guys also at the, in your rotation now that are contributing. I wanted to ask you in particular about DiVincenzo and what he has been able to do so far this season for you and what, what he brings to what is already, you know, as you mentioned, a very long and athletic team. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought Dante up. David, he's, again, another thing that I, I think that happened last year is as a rookie came in and had a rotation, um, had a role in our rotation in our first, whatever, 25, 35 games, where he's playing 15 to 17 minutes a night on a team that was really good last year. And it was pretty impressive. Yeah. And unfortunately, 
kind of had a step back with some things that he was dealing with in his heel and his foot area. And really a credit to our, our development coaches, you know, what they have done with him off the court in his off season and his time away last year when he wasn't playing games. Of course, he wasn't sitting at home playing video games. He was working every single day, getting better, developing his skills, developing his game. And then our medical performance group, you know, headed by Troy Flanagan and Suki Hobson, all the things they do. They've, I actually think they made a, a young player who was already fast and strong and athletic, even faster, even stronger, and even more athletic. And so he was really prepared to come into the season, had a great offseason, had a great level of development kind of over the last year. And I think you can see that now. I mean, now he's got a really significant role on hopefully an even better team. And really it's a credit to him and the work that he's done and the group around him and supporting him in that. You're you're fairly new to the role of GM. What was the one biggest surprise that you ran into, like your first couple days on the job, that you just didn't realize was a thing? The first, well, I could tell you the first like couple days on the job I didn't realize was a thing is I hadn't thought about media. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the last thing I thought Perfect. about was going the process Perfect. of being a GM is like. Oh, I'm gonna have to do a press conference. I'm gonna have to talk to people. <laughs> like, I, you guys know, like I, I was not someone who ever did anything media-wise um, in my in my previous roles in the NBA. Even though I'd been in the NBA for over a decade, it's just not something I'd ever done or, quite frankly, ever wanted to do. And so it hit me about four or five hours before I had to do a press conference to becoming a GM that I'm like, I got to do a press conference. Right. That's <laughs> that's hard. It's hard to deal with idiots like us every day. I imagine. So. I, I know how much GMs love to talk to us. It's it's you know yeah. it's the best part of the job, right? Definitely enjoy talking to you guys. I can tell you that. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Suki Hobson, and I I wanted to ask you more about her. I'm just fascinated how you guys got her on your radar, and how you convinced her to come over and just bring her her incredible wealth of knowledge from a completely different sport over to your sport and to, to, you know, be one of the key point people in developing guys who are multi-million dollar investments organizationally. Yeah, it starts with, and really everything that we do here, guys, it's, not, it's no secret, starts with ownership. And Mark Lassery and Wes Edens and Jamie Dynan and, and Mike Fastelli the, the willingness to uh, think outside the box, to leverage the resources and the, you know, the things that they have um, at, the end, at their hands to, to help this franchise be best in class in the world of professional sports, not even just in the NBA. Um, that helps us do the things that we're doing every day, and Suki's a great example of that. And, and it really came down to you know, Jabari, unfortunately, hurting his knee and, mm. and us wanting to find the best resources in the world to support Jabari and to help him get back as soon as he could in the best way he possibly could and really do everything we possibly could to take care of our players. And at that time it was Jabari, but it's always the case with our players. It doesn't matter who it is from the 15th guy on our roster to the number two pick in the draft at that time. Um, every, every guy is the most important thing when it comes to just taking care of them. And so we did, we kind of scraped the world. We, we, we got great recommendations from, um, you know, different areas that she'd worked with the Olympic sports and different things and, and brought Suki in. And, you know, I think what you'll see as you work in this business more is there's a lot of things that are basketball specific. And there's a lot of things that aren't, you know, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that just other, other areas of practice apply. And, and I think like rehabbing an ACL or helping a player get faster or stronger or be nutritious 
those things kind of work no matter what sport you work in or where your experiences are. And then, of course, there's things that are very specific to basketball in that world too. But then you just have to have smart, willing, hum- humble people that want to learn that part of it. And Suki's been humble, hungry, smart, and taken her expertise and helped us get great in those areas. And she's learned a ton too. If you talk to her about things that she's learned in the few years she's been with us, she's learned a ton about this league and about training NBA athletes versus soccer players or football players or, or different things. So uh, she's a great resource, a great asset, great, great person to have in an organization. We're really thankful to have her. You guys have done a really good job of using your G League to get some of your young guys' minutes. Uh, Dragon Bender has been going up and down. Uh, is that is that like a priority for you guys to to build out your G League facilities so that you're able to do more of that, or or is it just it's convenient for your two way guys and and a couple of the guys at the end of the bench? No, you know, kind of sound like a broken record here, but again, back to ownership. If if you're going to have a best in class sports franchise in the world of professional sports. Um, having a, a farm system or a youth system or development system or whatever you want to call it kind of is all the same in sports. You have to have one. You have to have one that functions well, that runs well, um, and that we believe is run just like we run the Milwaukee Bucks. And so um, for me, on a management side, when we when I got the job, we were basically building out the franchise and trying to figure out what are the things that we wanted to do, what are our facilities going to look like, and, and we were in the very early stages of what the Wisconsin herd would look like. We ended up having, you know, the Wisconsin Herd play in a also brand new arena, just like we have Five Star Forum across the street for us. Uh, they have the Nominee Nation Arena that is a brand new arena, one of the nicest in the G League. And uh, the general manager, Dave Dean, works closely with me every single day here. So everything they run operationally and, and from a front office standpoint runs just like we do at the Bucks level. Head coach, Chase Buford, previously worked with, with Bud and his staff in different different areas and things like that. They run systems just like we do. They, they run the same plays. They run the same offense, the same defense. And the goal is to give our guys the number one goal for us with the herd, and they happen to be winning a lot of games too. So I'll give those guys a little shout-out right now. I think between the Bucks and the herd, I think we're on about a 22-0 and game win streak here in the last month. So uh, the Bucks and herd have not lost in quite some time. We probably jinx ourselves and both lose our next games. But um, it's been a good stretch for, for both. Speaking of of your facility, uh, Fiserv obviously is an an unbelievably beautiful arena, and I just wonder from from a again organizational standpoint, being able to have a facility like that, not just from a revenue generating standpoint, we understand how important that is, but simply as a as a uh, as something that you can display as this is the commitment that you know, our, our ownership and, and the city have to this basketball franchise, whether it's, and Giannis knows it already, obviously, but not just Giannis, but other potential free agents down the road. How important is it to have these types of facilities come online uh, in a, in a timely manner? David, I think, I think it means everything. I think um, for us, for us to, like you just said it perfectly for us to show Anyone who comes in, um, whether we're recruiting them or they're coming in to uh, to play, you know, play against us, uh, for them to see this whole district is really remarkable. And, and it's obvious when you just tell them, like, yeah, we're in the practice facility that's two and a half years old. There's an arena that's a year old. We have apartment buildings going up everywhere. We have mixed-use space with residential and commercial being built up, and it's all our ownership. And they're doing it because 
we want to create a vibe. We want to create an energy around this team that's already really exciting and really compelling, and really successful. But we want to support it. And there's no better example to me that in than we've had 43 straight sellouts in the building going back to last year, 10 sellouts so far this year. And it's not just people in the building. The energy, and you've you've seen it, you've witnessed it. The energy and the environment in there is amazing. You know, I think we have the best mm-hmm. basketball environment um, in the NBA right now, and it's pretty fun to be able to say that that exists in Milwaukee, and that's for no other reason than kind of ownership support and the support of our fans and our community. Would you say the arena importance and the facility importance is amplified by the fact that you guys are in a smaller market, cold weather city? And do you see that that's going to help you retaining free agents? And and when you're going out and trying to get free agents to join this team that you feel is a championship contender? Yeah, I think I think facilities matter. There's no doubt. Like a great example would be a guy like Wesley Matthews, who, you know, was obviously a Marquette guy, plays in, plays in the Bradley Center. He's now a Milwaukee Buck and plays in five-star forum, you know, where Marquette obviously plays also. I think when players see that and experience that, I think facilities matter. But at the end of the day, I truly believe players want to have a chance to, to come to work, just like all of us. We have jobs. They want to come to work every single day and enjoy the people they work with. So you have to have a great culture. They want, to, they want to play in a system where they feel like they can win at the highest level. And then they want to be resourced and taken care of in every way um, possible by the organization. And I think facilities definitely check that box in that last part, portion of that equation in that, you know, you can tell for sure in Milwaukee, it's obvious that the ownership group here wants to resource this group with our facilities and everything else that we do. John, really, again, appreciate your time. I just have one last thing to ask you, and that is how much are you, how much does that conference final from last year, you know, serve as motivation, but also just serve as, you know, I never want to experience that feeling again. <laughs> I, I never want to experience losing the conference finals again, but I welcome <laughs> the opportunity to have an opportunity to be in the conference finals again, for sure. Right, right, sure. Um, uh, yeah, it's there's motivation is obvious. I think anyone who works in this business, whether you're a player, a coach, executive, ownership, anyone at any any level in professional sports, if you do it, you do it because you're passionate about it and you're a competitor and you want to win at the highest level and you want to succeed at the highest level. Um, what I think it really has done for me and Bud and I talk about this a lot, and I know it's done it for Giannis and Chris and, and all the guys and Brooke, is I think it helps you understand what you need to get better at. You know, uh, we're not we're not there. We haven't arrived. We haven't accomplished the things yet that we want to accomplish. Eventually, we're very proud of the progress we made. Our goal has always been to sustain success for a long period of time so we can compete for championships. But we want to continue to take steps forward every day and eventually every year. And last year was a big step forward, but it wasn't the step. And so there's there's areas where, you know, I've got to get better as an executive and we have to make better decisions and do do things better. And there's areas where the coaching has to improve. And obviously areas where players can improve. And it's it's really a, a fun thing to be around a group that has a growth mindset that wants to get better every single day. And when you lose in an environment like that, circumstances like that, with the opportunity that we had in front of us, it helps you uh, be laser focused on the things that you can do to help in your role to help the team get better every single day. Well, John, I really, uh, again, thank you so much for your time. And I'm, I'm so happy for you and Bud and for everybody in Milwaukee. My wife is from just outside of Milwaukee, so I have a soft spot in my heart for that <laughs> for that city and for your franchise. And uh, I wish you the best of luck going forward. And I'm sure we're going to see you 
in late May and early June uh, playing meaningful games. So good luck to you. David, Dave, thank you so much, guys. Happy holidays, and you're always welcome in Milwaukee. We appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for Take coming. Care. All right. Thank you very much. show but he, he he talk about a certain incident where he seen somebody seen Rick James and like I literally seen his aura like like he it looked like he was it looked like he was glowing and I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm saying to myself like man that's Mike and I'm looking at him I can't stop looking at him like I'm looking at his shoes and I'm like man he got on the Jordans you know what I mean like I mean, it was it was Mike. It was my idol. It was my hero. And uh, I remember just hating the Knicks so much, and the Bad Boys for beating them up the way they did. I used to watch him and sit on my mom's dresser, and she used to tell me, "Boy, if you don't get back from that TV before you go blind, you better." Like I wanted to be that close to him, just watching him. Man. car because some like utility truck came up and started like jackhammering oh oh i didn't hear a thing no i know because i was working the mute oh okay yeah we didn't hear i didn't hear anything yeah oh my god it was i was like uh, in tears laughing at how ridiculous the situation is like you know all right let's interview an nba gm right while a utility truck decides to like pull out a backhoe oh my god you know uh dave i wanted to i forgot to ask john about the craziness of the lopez brothers being together it's got to be unbelievable for them so what what they're doing in the locker room every night and on the floor i mean just just i would just love to have a gopro with those two and just follow them around for three days and just see what they say you know (laughs) just can't imagine what it's like i wonder how many times has they stuffed Bango into a locker? That's what I want to know. Because you know that they're like, <laughs> like brothers. Like, wouldn't they bully smaller kids? And I mean, these guys—they're—they're they're bigger than the mascot. I'm pretty exactly. sure. Exactly. 
um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to imagine. I know they like to practice, or at least Robin likes to practice wrestling moves uh, with West with West Matthews before yeah. games. So I wonder if they're if they're trying to get Bango uh, when the opportunity presents itself. We definitely I, should have asked about that. I know. I I missed. I I blew it on that one. That's on me. Um, I am fascinated by the East, though. I must tell you, I think people disrespected the East so much. Uh, at the start of the season. And then now you look at the top of this conference, the top four or five teams. I mean, look at what Boston's doing. I mean, it's, everybody, you know, was dumping on on their young guys, Brown and Tatum. And I kept saying, hey, hey, those guys are pretty good now. <laughs> you know, they're going to be pretty good for a long time. Uh, but you wanted to talk about the Raptors, who are also 15 and five as we take this. Um, and if, if look like the Raptors. What can I tell you? They look like the Raptors yeah. again. They look great. Of course, I mean, Jimmy Butler happened in, in yeah. OT the other night, you know, as it does. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, that that's my one concern is how do they, you know, who do they have that when you need a bucket can get you a bucket? Like we've seen Jimmy Butler do that for, you know, in his Bulls days. We saw him do it last year for the Sixers. And part of the reason why I'm not as big of a believer in the Sixers now is because no one stepped up. Um, you know, I, I think they want Siakam to be that guy. I think he can be that guy. He's going to have to yeah. grow into it. And he's going to have to do it quickly, but I still see them, uh, you know, or at, at this point, I see them as the biggest competitor for with Milwaukee to come out of the East. I, I really think that they've I got agree. a shot at making another finals run. They're just so complete. I, and then Nick yeah. nurse is such a great coach. Yeah, no, I agree with, I agree with that. I just think they have so much, not just, not just championship experience which is kind of a cliche i know but i just think the way they they put that team together the last three years i mean really you know starting i think with with Dwayne casey's last season there because his last year there they really did change how they played i mean i i think they that case doesn't get enough credit for that but they really did start to shoot more threes they really started to be more efficient they really did do that now they didn't win that year but um the, the last three years have just been, you know, really revelatory to me about how you can kind of rebuild on the fly, um, go all in for one year, and then still have enough pieces to compete. And what? And I still believe Toronto is going to make a move at the deadline. Masai Ujiri, you know, does not like to stand pat. Um, and I think he's the most are, old GM in the league. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have any doubt in my mind that. If there is somebody that can be loosed at the deadline, now I always bring up Beal because I live in D.C. And, you know, I know the Wizards are saying we're not going to trade him. We're never going to trade him. And maybe they won't. I don't know. But as this season goes on, and I suspect the Wizards record is going to get very bad very soon, um, I, you know, I just think that he's a creative guy, Messiah Jerry, and he will find somebody, whether it's Beal or someone else, that could potentially be a – that level of difference maker that could put them back on even footing with with a Milwaukee going into a conference final you know it's amazing that Beal also is the first person that comes to my mind when I think of you know the type of guy they could use uh, yeah. another shot creator a guy that can really really shoot the three and especially right. off the dribble um yeah. yeah I mean he would he'd be incredible up there but but I back mean, to Masai I think uh, you, you know, you mentioned that he doesn't like to rest on his laurels. Look at what he did. So he fires the coach of the year yeah, and replaces him with a guy with no NBA experience and they win right. a title. And I think that when you have a, a front office that is running like that, 
with right. that sort of, you know, hey, we can do whatever. And now it's worked. And now you've got that confidence. Uh, you know, you've always got to watch out. It's kind of like Daryl Morey. You can never count Daryl Morey out That's right. because That's right. he's always going to figure out a way to get a trade, get another star, get another contributor. And I think Masai is has turned into that guy too. Like it's really incredible what he's been able to do. It really is. It really is. And, and to do it, you know, um, just to do it with, with gotten the, you know, nobody thought, uh, you know, all due respect to Kyle Lowry, who I love, but nobody thought Kyle Lowry was going to be a difference maker. They almost traded. I mean, they would have traded to the Knicks if, if Dolan hadn't said no. Right. So, I mean, it's not like they thought it either. Right. So, I mean, the, the group that he's put together and the thing, the, the people that he's unearthed like Siakam, uh, it's just, it's just remarkable. Uh, and I, I agree with you on, on all of the things that you said about him. And it's going to be fascinating to me to watch the East. Cause I do think the top four teams are pretty much going to stay there. Cause I don't think anybody from, you know, six, seven, eight is going to make a run this year. I don't think so. Um, but those four or five teams at the top are pretty good. And, and I, I would, you know, you mentioned the side, I, I just can't, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I've said this all season. There's no way Riles is not going to make a move. You know, he's too close now. I mean, he's, you know, this was supposed to be the rebuild year and they're 15 and six. So he's, there's just no way, there's no way he's going to wait a year and a half until the 21 when he's got cap room again. I never believed that before and I don't believe it now. So, you know, I did. There's, yeah. There's Miami's a, the wild card. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, sure. they're going to definitely do something. So the East is fascinating to me. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And Dave, I can't thank you enough for, for jumping in this week, and I appreciate it. Enjoy Louisiana or, or wherever your final destination may be, as they say in, on the airlines. And uh, thanks. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you all for listening, as always. We'll be back next week. Uh, and uh, as always, when you uh, hear this, whatever, wherever you hear it, you know, if you can leave a review, tell people how good we are. See you. Forrest Gump here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.